Hello, 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 and welcome back to the Premier Chelsea, your source for all things Premier League, but starting with the European champions, Chelsea first. Coming into your new speakers and headsets, good morning, good afternoon, good evening. I'm Jackie from Houston. I have Rahul here from Connecticut, Alex from Waterville, Maine, and today we're joined by an extra special guest. Here, here with us from London is Frank Khaled, the well-known Chelsea fan, businessman, media personality, and friend of Ingolo Kante. Thanks for joining us, Frank. How are you? I'm well, thank you. Thank you for inviting me. Really appreciate that. Absolute pleasure to have you here. Um, Frank, we just want to start with a couple of background questions for you. Uh, Rahul, why don't you sure. take us through that? Sure. Hey, Frank. So just first question, when did you begin to support Chelsea? You know, we've been, you've been a fan for a pretty long time, but uh, when was that moment where, where you fell in love with the Blues? Um, it was way back in 1976. Um, I think I was probably about eight years old then, and uh, um, I just started supporting them basically because the uh, rest of my um, classroom at the time, they were big Chelsea fans. I think their parents were Chelsea fans from the early 1970s era. That, that's awesome. And it's uh, what a great time to be a Chelsea fan back then, and especially now. So uh, we thank your classmates for, for bringing you on board. <laughs> Uh, the next question we had was, do you have a favorite all-time player, past or present? Um... I, I have one in the past and I have one in the present. Um, the past one is Didier Drogba, obviously, because of what he did for Chelsea and, and the trophies he won for us and, and coming up with so many important goals. Um, and the present one is obviously Nagolo Kante. And that's uh, obvious why is A, he's my friend, and B... Well, what, he he was obviously the main man last few seasons and he was the main man in the Champions League final and uh, that's why he's my favourite at the moment. Yeah, two two great choices and I think for us here on the on the Premier Chelsea, those two flair, players are our absolute favourite as well. So uh, moving on to the next question, what does Chelsea mean to you? What do you enjoy most of, about supporting the Blues uh, in the, the past 20 years? We've won a lot, but obviously you've been a fan for a much longer time. So... Uh, just wanted to get you know your perspective on that. I mean, uh, to me, it means everything. I mean, when you are busy with your life and you need a you need something you know a hobby, something to focus on. You know, sporting Chelsea has been amazing. I mean, it's been roller coaster. It's not all been great. You know, we have obviously won loads of trophies in recent years, but I can tell you, in the early early years, in the early eighties, we were a, a, a championship team. Uh, second division as it was then, struggling. We were very close to going down to the third division. It was a big struggle. Chelsea just about coped in those early years and, and kind of the late 90s that we started to get things together. And it means everything to me because it, in a way it helps me in my normal life, helps me in the business. You're just being positive, you know, just admiring what they're doing and everything. So, yeah, it means everything to me being a Chelsea fan. Yeah, we, we could totally relate with you, uh, Jackie and myself have been supporting Chelsea for the past 20, 25 years. Alex, I know, is, is kind of young, but <laughs> has, has come on board uh, on the Chelsea uh, train. And it's just great for us. It, it takes the attention away from the day-to-day -day and kind of look forward to something on the weekend. So absolutely relate with that. Uh, so we now wanted to move on, just do a quick uh, season review with you, uh, get sure. some feedback from you. So I'll pass it on to Alex uh, for the first question here. 
Yeah, so this this may be a tough one, maybe not. Um, but the first thing we want to know is who is your player of the season for this past Chelsea season? Obviously, some some pretty good high performers to think about here. Oh, um, there's obviously a lot of players that have done particularly well. Um, you know, from the Mason Mounts, Nagolo Kante of late, and so many. But for me, I I think the emergence of Antonio Rudiger for me has been the main thing. I think he's been really important in the Champions League. I think the way he um, defended against Atletico Madrid, the way he defended against Real Madrid, completely, you know, I wasn't surprised, but at the same time, it was contrast to last season, the season before, where he wasn't in great form. So for me, Antonio Rudiger takes it. Don't get me wrong, the Mason Amounts and the Nagolo Kante's, the Timo Werner's and and all the rest of the players have done particularly well, especially the goalkeeper. But for me, Tony Rudiger. Yeah, I love that. That was my own response as well. I think he's really, really had a resurgence this season. Been crucial to everything we've done. So I like that a lot. I like that a lot. Jack, you want to go with the next question? Yeah, and I'm just going to add that Tony Rudiger adds a little bit of steel to the back line that we missed some time. So. It's really good to see. Frank, do you have a goal of the season that sticks out to you? See, this is another tough one as well. I mean, I do like the Olivia Guru goal, the, uh, the bicycle kick. But for me, I did think about this. Um, I think it's the first game of the season. Reese James' 30-yard blast into the corner. Yeah. I just like that one. I like those kind of goals. Um, but for me, it's the Reese James one against Brighton, first game of the season. Absolutely. Those get you off your seat sometimes. <laughs> Absolutely. Rahul, you want to take the next one? Yeah. Uh, so, Frank, we've spoken about the goal of the season, but is there a moment from this past season that kind of sticks out to you and it's just memorable for uh, maybe not a goal, but just a celebration or, or something on the pitch? That final whistle in the Champions League final. I don't think you can beat that. <laughs> Believe me, the stress we were going through, the amount of nail, you know, oh. it was very difficult. For me, that's the moment of the season because everything we worked for, everything the team had done all season was based on that one moment where that final whistle went. And the elation, the absolute, absolute happiness that we all got, including the players, you could, you know, I don't think you can beat that moment. It's tough to compare that to any moment at all. You're spot on. I'm actually getting goosebumps while you're, you're just talking about it. So that's definitely got to be a memorable moment from the season. Uh, Alex, you want to do the next one? Yeah, so we made quite a few high-profile signings uh, this past summer um, and this season in general. So I guess, what who would you say, if you could pick, would be your signing of the season? Obviously, a few decent options here. Um, I think, for me, uh, the goalkeeper was really important. Um, I mean, I like Kepa, don't get me wrong. Um, don't get me... Sorry. See. Don't get me wrong. I mean, um, I like Kepa, but there was always that question mark about Kepa and, and the goals that we kind of conceded. And the moment um, Edward Mendy came along, you know, it gave you that kind of um, confidence for the defence. And I think defenders got confident as well. I mean, it was amazing how suddenly we, um, from last season, leaking so many stupid goals and goals, and this season to playing so well. And I think that's got to do with the goalkeeper. For me, the goalkeeper was very important. Yeah, so and at the same, I agree. And at the same time, he did, in a way, seem to raise Kepa's level as well. Because then under Tuchel, you saw Kepa keep several clean sheets. Um, so sure. I think he really did start developing. 
um, and maybe Jackie for the next one. I like that response though. Yeah. To stir away from a bit of the positive side, Frank, do you have a forgettable moment of the season? <laughs> I think the FA Cup final was a kick in the teeth. I'll be honest with you. I really thought we we didn't play well that day. And um, yeah, I mean, that for losing that cup final, especially the goal at the end that got disallowed, I thought that was that was a knife in the back twisted a little bit. Yeah. That was um, just wanted us to turn up that day, win that cup and the Champions League. Right. And um, that was probably the forgettable moment for me. Yeah, definitely a tough one to swallow. Rahul, you have the next one for us? Yes. So we uh, just wanted to get your perspective on who you think was the most improved player in the squad this season. Uh, two different seasons in that first half, second half, but uh, one player that stuck out to you throughout the whole season in terms of improvement. I think uh, you have to go with my player of the season, Tony Rudiger. I mean, he has completely um, improved so much. Obviously, he wasn't playing much under Frank Lampard, but if you compare to the end of last season, I remember he was having quite a few bad games, uh, you know, against West Ham away. I remember he was just, nothing was going right for him. And that's complete contrast to him this season. And it's funny because, you know, Frank Lampard, oh, he, the club wanted to sell him or, or loan him out and he didn't want to go and he's done well. I mean, for me, him and Christensen as well, by the way, as well, I've got to give him credit as well. But for me, Tony Rudiger again. Yeah, we definitely agree with you. I, For me, Christensen was um, one of the most improved. So I, I definitely agree with you. Alex, you want to do the final one? Yeah, so... What would you say if you could pick one, um, obviously a few iconic ones, but what would you say is your game of the season for Chelsea this past year? I'd say Champions League final because it meant so much. You can't just suddenly pick a game randomly and say, oh, we did well in this game and that game because those games probably either we get three points or, or we just get another, you know, a first leg lead. But for me, you can't beat the Champions League final. That is the most, well, that will stick in my memory forever. With the other games, you'll probably forget after, you know, a couple mm -hmm. of years. Yeah. Frank, I want to stay on that topic and kind of jump into a different question here. You were around for the 2012 Champions League final, and of course, for the 2021 Champions League final. Any differences, any comparisons to you? Which one felt better? Which one, you know? I felt 2012 we kind of rode our luck a little bit I thought we you know we had a lot of luck involved in the actual final itself Bayern Munich were dominating the game missing chance after chance <laughs> and we kind of clinging on and hanging on in that game where the 2021 game I thought we tactically got everything right we yeah. hardly I, I, I can't remember Mendy making a save you know it, it was kind of you know um, Thomas Tuchel got it right down to right, right down to a tee so even though I was nervous in both finals, it just felt 2021 was technically done right and it felt a bit more better and easier. We also didn't have to go through the extra time in the penalties. Of the, <laughs> that was obviously stressful in the first game. But for me, the 2021 was definitely one that seemed a little, more, uh, a, a little bit more better organised, a little bit more technically well done. Absolutely. I think I agree with you on all those points. Alex, you've been posting some pictures about transfers. You want to ask Frank on some transfers? Yeah, I'm not sure. Uh, not sure what your opinion is. We've got a lot of links in the media now, obviously. Perhaps uh, a Mr. Erling Holland is being heavily rumored. We've seen Hakimi break as news lately. 
Do you have any opinions on Chelsea's transfer targets? Do you have any dream signings uh, for this upcoming summer window? I striker wise, I mean, I would prefer Lukaku, but I can understand why not because of the age. Mm -hmm. um, you know, with Haaland, you're going to get a young striker who's at, well, he hasn't even reached his peak yet. It can only get better. He's strong and he's physical and he looks like he's really hungry for success. So I understand why we're going for him. And plus, he also got, his value will stay a lot longer than obviously someone like uh, uh, Lukaku. So, yeah, I mean, Lukaku would be my, so not Lukaku, so I meant Haaland would be my ideal signing. I would also like to say that I would also, Declan Rice is another one I would like, in, you know, Chelsea to sign. Um, the reason being is I just feel that our midfield is okay at the moment, but I just think he'll add a bit more to our midfield. And um, I don't think we have to make many signings this season. And I don't think he has to tinker much with defence. You know, uh, yeah, I think that, that that's about it. Two free signings. But for me, Haaland will be the main one striker. One thing we have lacked is goals. And it's not because of lack of chances. It's just we haven't taken it for one reason or another. I also think Timo Werner will come good as well. I think he was just unfortunate the amount of bad luck he's had. Goes to yeah. for VAR and, and offsides, missed chances. I think it will all come right for him next season. So having someone like Haaland next to him as well is going to help him as well. Yeah, yeah. I totally agree there. I've got Timo Werner in my Euro fantasy team. So I'm praying he gets some good form going there. Maybe that's one thing we could just ask you right now as well. Um, are you going to be following the Euros? Are you going to be rooting I'm, for England or maybe rooting for your friend uh, N'Golo Conte for a Ballon d'Or push? Well, for, first thing first, because I live in England, I have to support England. And obviously there's Chelsea players in that team. Um, I will be rooting for N'Golo Conte and any team that has Chelsea players in it, I'll be rooting for them. And um, But yeah, if England don't win it, I want France to win it. Um, a, because he's my friend. B, I would really like him to win the balloon, the, the door this season. And if he wins that, that helps him. And I think that basically he's clean, he's done a clean sweep, hasn't he, of trophies, hasn't he? So, yeah, yeah I mean, yeah, it's England and then, pass, and then France and then any team that's got Chelsea players in it, which is most of them anyway. So you yeah. can't really lose. <laughs> Absolutely. But it's coming home. First of all, it's coming home. <laughs> exactly. All right. Rahul, any, any additional questions? Yeah, I guess the the final question for you, Frank, is uh, in terms of Chelsea, we've made, let's say we bring in Holland, we bring in Rice. Uh, what's the goal for next season? What's success looking like? Uh, Premier League, it has to be. It has to be the Premier League. Don't get me wrong. It's nice winning Champions League. It's nice winning the odd cup here and there. But the bread and butter is the Premier League. And it's been four years since we last won it. And I think, I think it's time that we won it again. I think that's how you determine how great a team is, is based on Premier League uh, wins. Absolutely, yeah. and it shows your consistency for the entire season as well. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. Frank, I have one more final question for you. Um, I've sure. had the pleasure of meeting Joe Cole and Michael Essien. Rawls had the pleasure of meeting them as well, as well as Frank Lampard. You've had the pleasure of meeting probably every single Chelsea player, which is amazing to see. Are there very lucky. Yeah, very lucky. Absolutely. Any differences in their personalities in real life versus what we see on TV? No, they're all fantastic. I think the one thing I think 
Chelsea do really well is they bring up their players, the academy, and they teach them how to deal with media and people. And I'll be honest with you, every single one of them, whenever I go to the training ground, they especially come over, they shake your hands, ask how you are. And generally, I get on with all of them. And they're all brilliant at that kind of thing. I mean, in, in years past, I, 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 there was the odd player, not in recent times, but there was the odd player, for example, in the late 90s and 2000s. I was very lucky enough, again, um, where I had my season ticket, we used to go through a restaurant called um, Aussies. And the players often in that time used to sit down and have their pre-match meal if you got there early enough. So I used to meet them and it was the odd one or two that in that time that kind of were okay, but kind of not as pleasant as they are these days. So I can see a lot of changes happened. I suppose not just with Chelsea, but most clubs, I think. I think they know how important it is um, PR wise, you know, with Twitter and, and social media and everything else that the players have to be nice with people and fans and everything. So, yeah, a lot of them are good. But obviously for me, Nagolo Kante is the one that stands out. I mean, um, I can't tell you how many times he's kind of um, came to my daughter's wedding, which was amazing. I asked him. He didn't even think about it. He turned up for that. He um, I had a heart attack a few years ago, three years ago. I ended up having a, um, a bypass operation. And again, he turned up to meet me. He didn't have to do that. He didn't have to do anything at all. You know, you could quite easily message someone. You can quite easily just say, look, I'm sorry to hear, but no, he physically made an effort and came down there. And uh, I really appreciate it. I'm just very, very lucky. Again, it, it is, I, I call it luck because at the end of the day that you meet these people and you become friends with them. And, and generally they're really good. I mean, again, um, Cesar, again, Cesar Aspie, uh, captain. Yeah. Amazing guy. I didn't know him that well, but I came to train again a few times. He came over, shook my hands and said, how are you doing? This was just before the Europa League final, 2019. He said, are you going? I said, yeah, I'm going. I'll be supporting you. He said, make sure you support us. I said, no problem. The next thing I know is he follows me on Instagram, messaged me, he said, give me your address. And he sends me the winning Europa League shirt that he wore. Oh my. You can't ask for more. I mean, that's, that's what he's like. And, and the and, and last few weeks I've been seeing, he's been messaging fans, he's been sending shirts. That's him, genuine, genuine, genuine person. Yeah, that's something I remember I was saying on the podcast before. There's nobody who deserves to lift the Champions League trophy more than Cesar Azpilicueta, who's brought us Absolutely. through all these years. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Wow. And with N'Golo Conte, I think it's 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 quite fitting that recently that story broke about him being described as the nicest person. And he said, oh, there's no need for you to call me the nicest person. There are plenty of other nice footballers. But as I said, my, my experience, he's been nothing but nice. And again, the nicest guys. And, and I, I messaged him after he won the Champions League. Again, the reply he gave was very modest reply and thanked, you know, thanked me and obviously every Chelsea fan out there supporting him but he is that type of guy and um i was so pleased for him and um you know i mean wish him the best and hope he carries it on you know he deserves everything he gets in life i'm sure he will absolutely it's it's so great to hear your passion and your uh relationship with these players frank um but thank you very much for joining us today Uh, thank you 
And thank you for the listeners for listening. Uh, we will be back to cover the Euros from next week. So Frank, you're welcome back to join us at any point. I will do. Thank um, you so much. All right. So that was Frank Khaled, a massive Chelsea fan. Thank you so much for joining us, Frank. Uh, but now we'll move on to the Premier Chelsea season review. And so we'll go through the same set of questions and give our side of uh, what we thought happened. And so let's start with Alex, what player of the season? All right. So I am going to have to agree with Frank there. He dropped Tony Rudiger as his player of the season. Um, and I think Tony Rudiger was one of, if not the most important players this season, um, mostly because individual players can win you games. We've seen obviously Mason Mount have a fantastic year. Timo Werner, even for all the media criticism had a crazy number of goal contributions. Um, and obviously plenty of our new signings had a great impact, but I think Tony Rudiger, uh, his improvement and especially those crucial performances towards the end of the season. I mean, I'm thinking of his last second tackle on Foden in the UCL final, for example. Um, but that was just one moment. I think he completely stepped up. He added some fiery passion to the squad, as we discussed earlier. Um, and so for me, Tony Rudiger is someone who was absolutely crucial to us having ultimately what we would call a very successful season. Yeah, I got to agree with you, Alex. I thought he was brilliant as well. And that block against Phil Foden was incredible. I mean, just the presence of mind to get there. And from the angles I could see, that was going in the net. So Absolutely. thank you to Tony. Rahul, I've actually gone for maybe the player of the season that most people are talking about, and that is Mason Mount. And I've praised him quite a bit on this podcast. So hopefully it's no surprise to too many people. But Mason Mount for me has been incredible. I think he's only 22 years old now. He's now holding the Champions League. He played a big part in many, many different games, but that final ball to Kai Havertz just sealed it for me. So Mason Mount, who you gone for? Yeah, those are some very good shouts. I've gone for Ed Wall Mendy. Uh, <laughs> we signed him for 22 million. Frank mentioned it too. He came in, he solidified the defense. Uh, basically just changed the whole feeling around, you know, how we defended. And even if the defense got beat, we knew we had Mendy, who was a great shot stopper. Uh, so for me, it's got to be him. 16 clean sheets and 31 Premier League games, nine clean sheets and 12 Champions League games, which is just unheard of, especially in your first season. And he, everything he'd been to, we've covered it in the past with his unemployment and then bouncing back from that and ending up as a Champions League winner in his first season. For me, it's got to be Mindy. Yeah, and honestly, highly recommended by Petr Cech. And even Alex said that he raised Kepa's game as well. So definitely a great shot on, on Mendy. So let's move on to the next one, which is goal of the season. So Jackie, I'll start with you on this one. Yeah, we've had quite a few goals of the season. I think the easy one that stands out to everybody, obviously, is the Champions League final goal with Kai Havertz. Champions League goal with Kai Havertz, but the one for me that probably is the goal of the season is actually the Timo Werner one versus Southampton, because Timo Werner has taken a lot of criticism this season, and that particular goal where he turned the player and made a direct run and scored against Southampton was just incredible. Yeah, that was a good one. Alex, how about you? Um, I'm, I'm going to let my Pulisic bias shine here, <laughs> and I'm going to go with Christian Pulisic versus Real Madrid 
um, in the first leg of the Champions League semifinal. Uh, I think we all very much enjoyed watching that goal for a few reasons. You had the Chelsea heritage rounding the keeper, putting it in the back of the net uh, in a crucial UCL semifinal. Um, and there may, for some people, have been the added bonus of, of scoring past one of our ex-goalkeepers in Courtois, I guess maybe showing him that, that Chelsea was on the track to the Champions League win. Um, so I, I liked that goal very much. And just individually, it was quite skillful, bringing the ball down nicely, the composure um, to stay on his feet, bring it around the keeper and fire it into the net. I loved everything about it. And it came at a critical point in our season. So um, for me, it's definitely Pulisic versus Real Madrid. Yeah, that was a good one. It was a crucial away goal, which set us up for the home leg. So a, a good shot. For me, I think I've gone for the more obvious choice, which, which was the Giroud goal versus Atletico Madrid in the first leg. I just keep watching it every time, and you see Giroud like, seeing the play, and then all of a sudden he just whips out this bicycle kick from nowhere, and it goes <laughs> in. So uh, the instinctive finish and, and the ability to pull it off and a matter of few seconds for me, that's my goal of the season. Yeah, definitely an incredible goal. And the way that he timed that ball and just finished it off brilliantly was incredible. So, but Rahul, I know you've been leading this one, but something that jumped out and I asked Frank as well was the memorable moment of the season. Obviously he said the champions league. I know you guys have gone for slightly different answers, but go ahead and let me know what you have. Rahul. Yeah. I, I, champions league obviously is, is, the pinnacle of the season but for me it's on the women's side with Fran Kirby coming back from pericarditis uh, she was diagnosed with that at the end of 2019 and missed majority of the the remaining of the season in 2020 went through a pandemic lockdown stayed home and at that point didn't even know if she was going to be making a comeback and so for me her return to the this team at the start of the 2021 season is the most memorable moment uh, because you saw the struggle she overcame and then to come back and become PFA player of the season. I think she ended up with about 16 goals and 18 appearances. Uh, and you and I and Alex have covered it week after week. We would say, well, super Frank scored, super Frank scored. So just that the comeback for me is is memorable and I can't wait to see what she does next season. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's something that needs to be admired. Alex, what are you going for? Yeah, so I think for me, the memorable moment um, came in, you know, it, maybe not the most obvious choice, but I'm going with our comeback win against Man City in the Premier League. Um, so that was a game where, obviously, as we now know, those points were crucial to us getting top four, which... Also, with the benefit of hindsight, we now know having won the Champions League, maybe top four wasn't as critical as it could have been. Um, but not knowing that we'd won the Champions League. And I will say, I, I do think maybe going into the Champions League final without the added pressure of needing to qualify for the tournament next season could have contributed absolutely to the players' positive mindset going in. So for me, the win against Man City, our future Champions League final opponents... Um, was massive because we went one nil down, um, but we kept fighting. I was looking back through my posts and I remember saying we've been playing pretty poorly um, in the first half for a lot of, a lot of the first half, at least we were going in a goal down to the second half, but Pulisic made a nice turn, sprayed it out to Azpilicueta, I believe who played in Ziek, and then Ziek had a nice tidy finish into the bottom corner 
That made it 1-1. And we played much, much better throughout the half, culminating in a very late Marcus Alonso goal, which seems to be his specialty, just pulling out a, a late finish right when we need it the most. So I think that was a 92nd minute goal, 2-1 Chelsea. Man City fans said they were robbed. We just enjoyed the moment. Um, and I think for me, that was that was a really big indicator that Chelsea were capable of beating Man City, which became clearly important towards at the to, to our last game of the season. Um, and also just the the fire in our bellies to come back, I think was important. Yeah, I think it's good to do this with you guys. And obviously great to have Frank's perspective from earlier, but it's nice to see the different moments to the season that we all find valuable. And the way you described it, Alex, I think that was one of the few games of the season where we came back from a goal down and actually showed like we have talent and we have class and we can actually win this. Yeah. We have gone on the Champions League bandwagon, but I want to single out a moment, not just the game or anything like that. When I say a moment, I mean an actual moment. And for me, when I was watching the game and I looked back on it again, there's an angle where there's a camera from above where Mason Mount's pass, that through ball from right above, is something that just sticks out to me. I think it shows why he's my player of the season, why he's many people's player of the season, is that vision and that pinpoint accuracy and that moment and that play it all together. Because again, I'm going back to Timo Werner, who I picked for goal of the season, his run to create the space and say, hey, Ruben Diaz, let's go have a cup of coffee in the corner while Kai Havertz wins the Champions <laughs> League. Altogether, that moment alone was was unbelievable for me. All right, guys, we've talked about the memorable moment of the season. Now we need to talk about the forgettable moment of the season. So, Alex, I'll start with you first for this one. Yeah, so I think for me, it has to be that FA Cup final loss versus Leicester. I believe that's what Frank was saying as well. Um, not something we particularly want to remember and I do I do actually remember feeling very hard done by uh, by VAR after that particular incident um, which was not helped then by our subsequent games but I think as as Frank said it's you would hope you really wanted the players to show up turn up bring it all to that game we didn't quite get the job done um, and maybe though maybe that felt a little worse knowing we were going into such a crucial period in the Champions League and needed to really show up uh, for that final uh, in particular. Um, so so I, I would say certainly maybe that has been eased by the fact that we have got our hands on some European silverware. But in the moment, um, and even now, that, that would have really completed the full 2012, uh, <laughs> the full 2012 cycle with the FA Cup win in addition to the Champions League win. So unfortunate one, but then we got them, we got our payback in the league. So I can't really complain. Yeah, and it's something that didn't help when one of the Leicester players, who shall not be named, was throwing <laughs> the flag around and rubbing salt in the wound. So I was going to say, don't don't get Alex started. On that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm done. I don't recognize him. I don't. Yeah. No more media attention. <laughs> definitely one to forget. But Rahul, what's yours? It's got to be that loss to Arsenal uh, at the Emirates mid December. I think it was. Uh, I almost quit doing the podcast with you because I was so heated and frustrated by that loss. So for me, that's the most forgettable moment, even though I'm talking about it right now. Very glad you did not, because that's something that's shown that we've had a good year together, all three of us. And it's been a lot of fun, guys. For me, I know we've had an unbelievable season, especially since we won the Champions League. We finished top four. And 
a lot of this comes down to us bringing Tuchel in, but the most forgettable moment of the season for me was losing Frank Lampard. I'm actually wearing Frank Lampard's jersey today. He's one of my heroes growing up, and for him, what he did in his first season and bits of the second season, I will never forget what he's done for players like Mason Mount, Reese James, Tammy Abraham. I mean, the list goes on and on. I don't want to forget anybody right now, but there were some extremely incredible moments. He obviously took us in a tough time and helped us qualify for Champions League, which brought us to this season, and he did his parts in the group stages. So having him go, and I understand the club's motion, and of course, it makes sense now that we've won things, but probably the toughest and most forgettable part of the season for me. Yeah, and I, I agree with you there. I think he's also you have to appreciate him coming in, as you said, in a tough time for the club. Cause it's not like there were managers lining up ready to take over a transfer band at Chelsea um, who really needed a squad refresh as we saw with this past season with what the six players we signed. Um, so we really did need a squad refresh, but Frank was the perfect man to pull some youth through the ranks, make our guys step up and, we wouldn't have even been in this competition, the Champions League, without him. So I think that's a really good, really good point there. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely one that we missed, but hope to see him sometime in the future. I'm sure we will. Now I want to talk about the signing of the season. And Alex, I know Pulisic came back from some injury. Maybe he could be the signing of the season, but I think he's doing (laughs) someone else. Um, Yeah, I guess if we're we're going with a true new signing, um, I think... Timo Werner for me, maybe not, maybe not the player who had the most um, consistently positive impact. Certainly, there were a few, a few big misses and a few chances that the media was all over him for. Us fans, we were we were asking him to do better. Um, but I think overall, the fact that he came out of this season with, I don't want to have my numbers wrong, but I I saw it was twenty seven ish goal involvements, I believe, um, top top goals plus assists on Chelsea, great work rate, great body language, great attitude. I mean, even when he was missing chances, I think he came out with an interview saying like, Oh, well, there were, there were times when I would miss a chance and then it would be in my head and I would be out of the game for the rest of the game. And he said, now when I miss a chance, I'm just, I'm just instantly focused on the next one. Um, And I, I, the one moment that it was a small moment, but I, I, keep coming back to is when he lost the ball in midfield I forget what game it was in and then he gets driven all the way back to our our own corner flag but he chases the ball that he lost on the midfield line all the way back to our own corner and ends up slide tackling in our own corner to prevent the cross in so that to me just sums up why he's my signing of the season because for all the negative press he's got to then come out with the most goal involvements on the team and with that constant work ethic um, to just go out there and give everything to the club, even when maybe the fans aren't fully backing him or not every shot is going his way or VAR is ruling out his goals. The offside flag was one of his big enemies this season. Um, I think that shows a lot of character, and I was impressed with him overall. Yeah, most definitely shows a lot of character, Alex. Everything you said about him is things we've talked about all year long about his work rate and his dedication to always continue. And I think Frank summarized it really well. I think Timo Werner will come good which is something we're all excited to see over here. Rahul, who have you gone for? So I have two, and I know you you asked for one, but hear me out. So my first one is Thiago Silva, 35 years old, signed for Chelsea on a free transfer. 
And what a signing it turned out to be because you walk, you think about this league, you think about Premier League, obviously, but also Champions League and the amount of games you have to play as a club in England with the four competitions. He comes in at 35 and makes it seem like he's 25 in a league where defenders tend to retire at that age. He just turned the whole theory of being older and not being successful as a defender on its head and said, you know what? I'm going to be one of the best defenders in this squad and take this team to a Champions League final and then win it. So for me, he's definitely the signing of the season, especially on a free transfer. Uh, And then on the women's side, just real quick, Jackie, can you pronounce the name for me, please? Panil Ada. (laughs) There you go. Uh, She came in for a record fee and a player that has elevated the game for other players in the squad and made it to the Champions League final. So for me, her uh, signing into the, the women's squad uh, just improved this overall. 22 games, nine goals, three assists in the in the Super League. Uh, went on to win the Super League in her first season. So those two for me are my signings of the season. And thank you for adding a woman into the signing of the season because it's always good to keep us moving in that direction and it's very refreshing. And on Thiago Silva, I think, Frank had said something about Mendy being the signing of the season because he raised the game of the defenders. I think Thiago Silva also had a huge part to play in that because his experience and his confidence, I mean, he slot right into the first game like it was nothing. So definitely great signings of the season, guys. And Chelsea are known for signing some incredible players now even on the women's side. So another good question we probably need to talk about later on is as who we want to sign. But what I want to move on to before that is who's the most improved player this season. So Rahul, I'll start with you first for this one. Did you give us your signing of the season? Did I not? Oh, no, I did not. I don't don't think so. I'm going to go with Kai Havertz then, actually, because Kai Havertz, for me, took a lot of flack, just like Alex said with Timo Werner. And $71 is no small fee for any player to kind of absorb and understand that there's a lot of pressure on your shoulders. And to be honest with you guys, throughout the entire season... Yes, he did struggle, but things I saw in bits of pieces show me that he did have the talent and the quality. And that final goal in the Champions League where he went around City's goalkeeper was just something to see. And just the excitement afterwards and the positivity afterwards, I think there's a lot more to come from that young man. Yeah, I won't repeat it on air, but I think I think he summed up what we all thought of his transfer fee in that interview after the match. Yeah. <laughs> the Champions League certainly overshadowed it, uh, winning with that goal, so... Absolutely. Rahul, thanks for keeping me honest there and making me say my <laughs> transfer. <laughs> um, but if you want to tell us your most improved player. Yeah, so I mentioned it with when Frank was on as well. But for me, it's Andreas Christensen. I was very critical of him last season, even early parts of this season. But he's bounced back and just turned into a, a, a Danish Maldini, like we've been saying. Um, and is the nat- natural successor for Thiago Silva's spot in this three-man uh, defense, at least. And so what he's done to come back and bounce back, and he came on in that final, like we said, uh, and he, we didn't even think we, like, we were missing Thiago Silva, which is a compliment in itself to, to Christensen. So, again, I put my hand up. I know I was critical of him, but I give him the most improved player of the season award. Yeah, high praise and definitely well-deserved. Alex, who have you gone for? Um, So for the most improved player, I was sort of thinking about, you know, maybe he actually, maybe he's not always recognized by Chelsea fans as the most improved player, but for me, Jorginho, 
um, raised his game this year. It went under the radar a bit, perhaps. Um, and I don't think for all the criticism he gets, um, media wise and among Chelsea fans, um, I don't think he's ever really been that bad, Jorginho. I think maybe he, his, the nature of the position in the Chelsea system means sometimes when we concede a bad goal, he ends up being at fault um, due to, say, the lack of cover or his positioning. But I do think that especially um, in these final months of the season, as we ran through some critical Champions League knockout games, um, some crucial games in the league, he dropped some consistently high quality performances. I mean, truly some world-class performances. He picked up one or two man of the match awards, I think. Um, but, but I, I mean, I couldn't even tell you if he did because I don't think he really does generally get the media recognition for his good performances. It's only his unfortunate mistakes. I remember that, that back pass that led to an own goal, I believe. Um, was it an own goal? No, uh, Kepa actually kept it out. I think that was against Arsenal, um, if I remember. But those unfortunate mistakes make the headlines. But what doesn't make the headlines is his consistently high-quality performances bossing the midfield against some fantastic players on an opposition team. So, I mean, when you come up against, say, a Real Madrid um, and their iconic midfield uh, with Modric and Kroos, um, Casemiro is not uh, the one that's shining. I think that says a lot about the Chelsea midfield. And obviously, N'Golo Conte gets great praise, as he should. Um, but I, I do want to shed some love for Jorginho because he gave it he gave it his all this season. And you could see how much that meant to him winning the Champions League. And the last three months, Alex, especially on that run to the Champions League, I think he was incredible. Really, some of the performances he put in, especially looking at the beginning of the season where he was kind of in and out under Frank and mm -hmm. when Tuchel came in and trusted him and he gave him the freedom to control it. And let's all be honest here. N'Golo Conte also likes to go on his runs up front. And so Jorginho sitting back gives N'Golo that space to do what he needs to do best. So definitely a great shot for the most improved player of the season. I have gone with Ben Chilwell. The left back position at Chelsea has been quite interesting. We've got three pretty good left backs. And this was Frank Lampard signing 50 million pounds for a left back. And Honestly, guys, I was very, very excited for Ben Chilwell. I thought he was going to do well. And he did do some good performances to start off with, but you can kind of see where he tapered off, especially when Tuchel came in and Chilwell kind of lost his position. And it's very easy for a young player of that position to say, I've got Marcus Alonso, Emerson Palmieri, who are used to playing this position. Let me put my head down, be quiet, and just not perform. But he did the opposite. He actually had conversations with Tuchel. Actually, this has come out and has become public knowledge. And he said, what can I do to get better? And he finishes the season starting in the Champions League final and plays a big part in that goal towards winning us the Champions League final. So for me, Ben Chilwell is the most improved player of the season. All right. The last question that we have, guys, is the game of the season. And Rahul, I'll start with you first here. What's your game of the season? My game of the season came towards the end of the season, and it was the final game at the Bridge versus Leicester, uh, coming off of that FA Cup final loss against Leicester, and everything that happened after that game, we came into this game needing a win because we wanted to get back into the top four, and for some reason, this game sticks out to me because obviously the fans were back, but the performance from every single player was top-notch. 
and we were at it from the first uh, minute to the end. And even though we gave away a goal in between, even after that, we managed the game pretty well. Uh, this was the game where Tony Rudiger went on his lung-busting run. Uh, Timo Werner was on fire. I mean, he had a couple of goals canceled out. He still showed up. And everything that happened in that game, for me, that was that was my game of the season. I know it was uh, not a high-scoring game, but even the three goals that came were, were pretty dramatic. So, for me, that's my game of the season. Yeah, definitely a good shout. Alex, how about yourself? Um, so for me, I think I'm going to go with the, well, for, for me, it would be the, the next leg in the Champions League after my goal of the season, which was Christian Pulisic's goal. And now I think the second leg of the semifinal versus Real Madrid for me was one of the best of the season, um, if not one of the most impactful, the most impactful, because coming off of that, obviously Pulisic grabbed us that away goal, but the game was still fully in the balance. Um, so I think when you come in, you saw, you saw a repeated performance, which was the most impressive thing for me, because really any team could show up against Real Madrid once. Um, but the fact that we then showed up against them again, uh, our midfield yet again proved dominant. Uh, Timo Werner grabbed the goal. Kai Havertz had a beautiful chip shot that then went off the bar. Timo Werner tapped it in with his head. Um, so Werner gets on the score sheet with some good anticipation. Then, obviously, it's no easy feat holding out against a team as high quality and with the Champions League pedigree as Real Madrid. I'm sure they've got those expectations on them. They're certainly serial winners, you could say. Um, but then that late goal where Christian Pulisic comes on, makes a run deep towards the end line, cuts it back, and Mason Mount bangs it in to seal the deal against Real Madrid was, for me, um, maybe my most iconic game. Because in that moment, I truly did feel like we were going to win the Champions League final, um, put us through to the final. And that's when I said, you know what? we can outclass Real Madrid over two legs. I think we could actually do this. Um, so for me, that was, that was massive. Yeah, definitely one of those that gives me goosebumps. It's definitely one of those games Rahul and I watched it together. And it was just incredible to watch that, that level of performance like you've touched on. I've gone for an interesting one, guys, in West Brom 3, Chelsea 3, very, very early on in the season. And that game was probably the game of the season for me because it took me through every emotion known possible to man. I mean, I was weeping for the first half when we went three nailed down in like 27 or 28 minutes. And I was like, what have I signed up to watch? And that second half takes you through most of the highest highs you can ever have. And I just remember the game finishing with Frank Lampard screaming and pumping his hands up. And of course there are no fans in the stadium, but it just shows you the raw emotion of the team and him and just the dedication to fight back from three nail down. Should we have been three nail down? Probably not, but it's just amazing to have those memories and see when we can fight back. Very similar to the Ajax game the season before. So definitely my game of the season. I'm just glad West Brom got relegated because we don't have to go through this next season. We don't, we don't go into the season with a minus, minus eight goals on the tally. Yeah, that was, I mean, the deck, Jackie, that was a good game, but like, concede what eight goals against them in two games was just ridiculous definitely all right so let's um 
maybe just cover some of the questions we covered with Frank as well in, in towards the end of the episode. So uh, comparisons between 2012 and, and 2000, uh, this year, I, I beg your pardon, in the Champions League finals. So Jackie, you want to just start us off? Yeah, my memories of it, Rahul and Alex, are slightly different from Frank's. And I know he's been a long-term supporter, but I came into supporting Chelsea somewhere in 2003 and it was right around the time Abramovich took over. And so we had had a lot of success going towards the Champions League, many quarterfinals, many semifinals. We even made it to a final and we just never won it. So I know that it was a tough one in 2012, but that one sticks out to me as just incredible. Not only because it was our first one, but we had seen so much heartbreak that when we won it, it was just like so much pressure had been lifted off of not just Chelsea, but the fans who had been craving the Champions League final. The second one, while I was definitely nervous, it was nowhere near to the 2012 final. I had that, and Alex, you summarized it so well. If we can beat Real Madrid in two legs, and we just came off from a comeback against Manchester City, I wasn't so worried about it. Yes, definitely on a day, anybody can beat anybody, but I was more excited for it. I remember just screaming at the television saying, we need to beat them, we're going to beat them. But with with looking at the Bayern Munich one, I was just kind of more sweating in a cold room for hours. And on this one, it's like, no, we can do this. It's just a matter of make sure every ball goes in the right direction. Again, both incredible finals, absolutely exciting to win two now, but I mean, those are the main differences for me guys. Yeah. Though, I mean, like you said, it was uh, in 2012, it was a, a coming together of everything that had happened over the last few seasons. But Alex, how about you? I know we've covered this in the past. You, you were pretty young, but um, I'm sure you've, re, you've relived it. And, and obviously you and I watched this final together this year, but uh, any comparisons for you? Yeah, I think the 2012 final, so Frank did sum it up pretty well that maybe we did ride our luck a little bit. Um, I don't think that necessarily diminishes the achievement um, versus, you know, as you said, Jackie, it makes it a little more nerve wracking when you, you don't go in and even, even during the game, you don't necessarily feel like it's, it's going your way. Um, but I think I, I sort of feel like it's a perfect bookend to this, this Chelsea era um, where you had obviously the culmination of that first real heavy period in the Abramovich era um, and then this transition period where we did win some trophies in the middle. Um, and then I, I did enjoy the feeling as well, though, of going into this recent final and actually feeling like our team, which had been young, which had been written off, um, which had new signings who were being described as flops. Um, I, there was really no better way to close out a season with that much adversity, um, even right down to the end, the 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 lack of the knowledge of whether we make top four um it came down to spurs getting results in the end um so i think i think this this past year's champions league victory um i obviously remember it a little better but i think i think both are very fond memories for all the right reasons um one maybe being overcoming crazy adversity within one game um, and this one may be overcoming adversity over the course of a season and culminating in a very, I would wager to say, dominant performance overall, um, considering we kept a clean sheet and allowed one shot on target uh, versus Manchester City, which, I mean, that's that's a serious achievement. They're a top side. So 
I, I love it all. There's no complaints. I can't pick a favorite. It's like picking a favorite child. So let's hope, let's hope we get more uh, children slash CL finals to compare in future years. <laughs> Very well put. <laughs> we, de we definitely will. So um, I, for me, you guys summed it up perfectly and Frank did as well. So I'm not going to add too much over there. Uh, let's come into now the transfer season and it officially kicked off. I believe it was yesterday. And so I know Alex's dream signing is Erling Holland. He already has a page going. Uh, <laughs> but Jackie, for you, is it Holland? Is it a different position? Do you think we need to strengthen? Who is it for you in terms of a dream signing? Yeah, you know, I struggle with this one, Rahul, because I think the squad as a whole is extremely talented with extremely young players that, in my opinion, can only get better from here. And Chelsea's signed strategically. So the likes of Kai Havertz, Timo Werner, Hakim Ziyech, I think will just get better this season. I think if Holland is on the market, you've got to go for Holland because he's one of the best players I've seen as, as technically gifted as a finisher. He's got a little bit of attitude to him, which sometimes we've said in the Chelsea team this season we've missed. So definitely one I'd be interested in, but I don't want to discount Werner coming through and, and becoming a top-notch striker next season. Giroud has signed his contract. So it's just a matter of trying to see where to fit certain players in. But if Holland's available, definitely need to go for him. For me, I think I agree with Frank. I think we're light in the middle of the park. When Conte is out, we have Jorginho and Kovacic. And by the way, they have been brilliant together. But if one of them fall down or, or fall short and we need a change, we do have Billy Gilmore, but he's still learning his trade. So we are really, really light in the middle. And I've seen Mount play there. And yes, he can do the job, but we really need more out-and-out -out central defensive midfielder. Frank's talked about Rice. I don't know how Rice will fit in. I'm sure he could slot in and be brilliant, but I think we need a central defensive midfielder. Who that name is, I'm not really sure to tell you guys. I was hoping you'd throw out a name here and maybe we could uh, start a rumor, but <laughs> Alex, is it Holland for you? Absolutely. Or are you uh, also have a second choice here? No, I mean, for me, honestly, if we don't get Erling Holland. I feel like we just want to stick with what we have. Um, obviously, I want us to be ambitious and sign players, but I think, I think, I, first of all, I think Erling Holland's coming to the bridge. Chelsea are the only team with the financial power to sign him this summer. He wants to go to a top side. We just won the Champions League. Every statistician could give you the expected goals we've had and how many goals we could have been banging in if we had a true clinical finisher. And that's not all on Timo. That's been on, on other players who just haven't quite been clinical for us, don't quite have that killer instinct. And maybe they will develop that um, because our squad is very young. But there's just... Erling Holland could be, and I, say that, I don't say this lightly, he could very well be the next Didier Drogba um, he could be an absolute talisman for Chelsea for seasons to come. He's 20 years old. He could play. And now I don't want to get ahead of myself either. Now we've seen say Eden Hazard, one of our absolute gems get snapped up by another team. So I don't want to say if we sign him, we'll have him for a 10 year period guaranteed, but he's young enough and still so good at this young age that it's not like we're signing a player and saying, hopefully he gets better. We're signing a player who already is at a world-class level. And he has the benefit of, I mean, you, you talk about maybe five or six more years until he's had his physical, mental, 
um, experience prime for an attacker. Um, so I, there's, I'm on, I'm fully on the Holland hype train. I have been all season um, since back in the fall. I was, I was all over that. I think, I think he's going to take us to the next level. You know, what's interesting, Rahul, you're superstitious and Alex likes the memes and I've been seeing this float around all over the internet. <laughs> Last time we won the champions league, the following season, Chelsea signed a promising young EH in Aiden Hazard. And so there's an EH that we're looking to sign after winning the champions league who's promising and young. So I'll just leave that right there. So you're dropping us with Mr. Bean again. Yeah. <laughs> I'll let, Shout I'll out let to our guy, you. Chelsea Pulse. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> What a man. Um, but no, I, I agree with you guys. I think if it's Holland is available and we can convince Dortmund this summer, then might as well go for him because next summer there's going to be a lot more teams in for him. And as we know, a season in football is a very long time, so we don't know uh, where we end up. So if he's available and we've got the money, let's go do it. But I also agree with Jackie. I think we need a midfielder and we need someone that can cover uh, for the likes of Conte and Kovacic and Jorginho. So it'll be interesting to see who we go for. But uh, before we move on from the the transfers, just want to get a quick reaction from you guys on the news breaking about Hakimi. Uh, do we need a right-sided wing back, a winger, a midfielder? Uh, he is available. The reported fee is about, I believe, 60 million euros. Uh, and at this point, Chelsea seem to be favored. So Alex, just quickly from you, uh, good transfer, improves the squad or we should be focusing elsewhere um i don't think maybe it's our biggest focus i would i would say striker and midfielder are our two most heavily needed areas um but i can't really complain and on the one hand my initial reaction was what about say reese james um been fantastic this season i still think he's more often than not capable of getting a starting spot, even if we bring in Hakimi, um, at least at first. But I, I just sort of had to take a step back and try to detach myself for my serious love for Reese James and say, you know what? Top teams have top competition. The best teams have the best depth. And if, if Hakimi and Reese James propel each other to the point where they're both world-class um, at either right wing back, right back, or maybe Hakimi pushes up and becomes a, a long-term right winger. I think there's just no real way that I can rationally complain about that. So for me, I'm not going to sit here waiting and, and hanging on the transfer to happen because I'm more than happy with the Reese James as Piliqueta combo we've got. Um, and Adoy at right wing back as well. That raises questions over his future, but I'm certainly not going to be complaining. Yeah, I, I hear you. Jackie, how about you? I personally don't think we need him. And definitely what Alex has said in the fact that we have Hudson Odoi who can play that. I think he even put Pulisic at right wing back at one point. I don't think that's Pulisic's strongest suit anyway. He, he's better on the left. But I actually think the whole formation that Tuchel's catered to almost sees me see Reese James slide into right center back, or the three of the right center back position, and allows. Hakimi to compete with Hudson Odoi directly because Reese James has proved he's brilliant there. And maybe why we're not hearing so many midfield rumors is Reese James actually played midfield a couple of times. So I'm sure there's something going on in the back there. I don't know if there's conversations they've had with Reese saying, 
you're strong, you're fast. Maybe it's time you play a little bit more in midfield. Maybe you play more right of the three in the center back position, opening up the potential to buy Hakimi. Again, do I think we need him? No, but that's what Chelsea and Tuchel get paid the big bucks to try and figure out. So can't complain too much. And like Alex said, competition is good. We've seen it at the left back position with Chilwell and the two other left backs. So it's going to be interesting to watch. Yeah, I agree with you guys. And I think it's similar to the Havertz Mount uh, positionings last summer when we brought Havertz in. Everyone was saying, well, Mount's not going to play, but Mount elevated his game. And I think Reese and Hudson Adoy can do the same. And if we have these options in the squad, I'm okay with it. I think we're, we're trying to push for bigger things next season, which brings me to my next question is it's got to be the Premier League for us next season. I know we're not trying to get carried away and we're not, you know, trying to say that we're absolutely going to win it. But after the Champions League success, the squad's got to be pushing to close that gap between Man City and ourselves in the league and make a run for the, the Premier League. So, uh, Jackie, your thoughts on Premier League or are we still a little bit off that? I don't think we're a little bit off. I think we can definitely compete, which is what I've said all along is I want us to compete. I, I hate for us to come to the end of the season and we're competing for will you make the fourth position? A, a club of our stature needs to be a lot higher than will we make the fourth position? Can we win the Premier League? As you asked, I think we can. Do we need to win the Premier League as a goal for next season? I don't think so. I think we just need to go toe to toe till the end of the season and push them. And that's really what's important not just for Manchester City, because you bet Liverpool's going to come back stronger. Manchester United are going to come back stronger. So I don't want to see us having a gap. I want us to be back in that horse race and definitely take it to the end of the season. And if we win it, you bet I'll be losing my voice again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sending him back to Manchester, as you said. Um, you Alex, for you, Premier League, or you also are kind of on the same train as Jackie, where we just need to compete and then see where we end up in the, in the league? I mean, I think definitely we're I'm I'm hesitant to set the the standard, which I'm sure I'm sure every media outlet in England would be uh, begging to set uh, that if Chelsea don't win the Premier League next season, especially if we sign a Marquet signing um, this this summer, then Chelsea's a failure if we don't win the Premier League because the team is still young. Um, we saw, for example, how. We played with passion, we played with quality, and we were able to get the Champions League title, but we're not quite at the point where we can perform with the consistency of a Man City, um, or even, uh, at least before their injury crises, Liverpool uh, last season. Um, I, think, I think top three with an additional trophy and a deep Champions League run could placate most Chelsea fans. Um, I think obviously we want to be pushing to win the league, but I think as I, I think you were mentioning the gap, I think that gap um, is really what's important to close at this point, because if we get second place by three points, I don't think we can have a go at our players and say they didn't give it their all. I think if we get third place by five points, um, I just don't want to see that gulf that we've seen in, in a couple recent seasons. I want to show that we're right there to the end, as Jackie said. Um, and I do want to come away with silverware. Um, maybe that means we end our little FA Cup poor streak. I would love to see an FA Cup win, a deep Champions League run, ideally getting to another final if possible, 
And in a similar sense, I'd love to see us go right to the end of the Premier League. Yeah, I agree with you guys. I think those are the realistic targets. And if we end up with the league, then so be it. And we'll all be celebrating. But uh, that's kind of the Chelsea side of of the uh, episode in terms of the review from this season, as well as just looking forward to next season a little bit. Uh, we'll obviously be covering the transfer window in our weekly episodes, but we'll also be covering the Euros, which start uh, on Friday. So uh, as we ask Frank predictions for the Euros, I'll ask you guys as well. Uh, any favorites, any players you'll be watching closely, Chelsea, non-Chelsea related. Unfortunately, Pulisic can't play in this tournament. Uh, but he did win the Nations League with uh, the U.S. men's national team. So we could touch on that, Alex, and then you could give us your uh, Euros prediction. Yeah, I will say I I love the Euros. Great tournament. It's going to be awesome watching some of these big nations clash. That Polisic Nations League win, they just started the tournament. It was the first year of the tournament, the Gold Cup qualifier. I don't care. That felt like a World Cup final to me. Um, watching the manner of that comeback, you best believe I had, I had my fun with that one. Um, social media in person, I'm, I'm still not over that. I'm enjoying every bit of that and milking those Pulisic, uh, shushing pictures, unbelievable quality there. So, um, with that said, I think freed from the bond of supporting my own nation in the Euros, I'm just looking for some Chelsea performers. I hope Mason Mount has a standout tournament. I want him to get good minutes, make himself undroppable. Um, and I'd love to see England win it with Mount playing a central role. Now, if, for example, our, our friend Foden, who did not quite turn up in the Champions League final, it must be said, um, if, if their star boy is the one who's getting the minutes, perhaps Mason doesn't have quite the same role, Maybe if Chilwell doesn't get some minutes, I'm thinking then I want N'Golo Conte to make that Ballon d'Or push, as as Frank said, maybe was his secondary hope uh, after England winning it. I would love to see Conte really solidify himself, win that award, because um, he really does deserve it after all these seasons of being world class. Yeah, I agree with you. And just touching on the Pulisic and the U.S. men's national team, uh, that's the beauty of this Nations League. I know a lot of people were wondering what's the point of it, why is it happening, uh, but you can see what it means to the players and even the, the passion and the intensity of that game, 3-2 over Mexico, but everything that was going on on the sidelines between the players amongst the fans, uh, it was just great to see and it was it was a good game to watch. Uh, so congratulations to Pulisic and, and he's now a champion of two nation, uh, continents within the space of a week. Uh, so, Jackie, coming to you, any predictions for the Euros in England coming home? We've been watching England for a long, long time at these tournaments, and uh, for some reason it doesn't work out. But do you think it's it's time, and is, is it going to happen? Yeah, we've watched England for a long time thinking back at it. We've supported them as well from the likes of Paul Scholes and David Beckham. Of course, our very own Frank Lampard, John Terry playing in there. The Euros are in London, or the final at least is in London at Wembley Stadium. It'd be brilliant to see England lift it and bring it home, even though it's already home right now. But yeah, I'd be supporting England, I think, just because of the history we've had with them. We were close to watching them our whole lives. And an interesting thing, because Alex has touched on supporting Chelsea players as well, Chelsea actually contributing 15 players to the Euros which are coming from all over, of course, likes of Ingola Kante have been mentioned. We've got some Spanish players, Kai Havertz, Timo Werner, German players, Rudiger. So it just shows the 
depth of our squad and the quality of our squad that we have that many international folks that have made it across and kudos to Manchester City as well they're contributing 15 players and then Bayern Munich next with 14 but Manchester United is up there with 11 so the Premier League really is contributing to some high quality players that are making it to the Euros but for me England and if they don't win it I'm supporting any Chelsea player that makes it to the final let's say that what about yourself Rahul? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, I feel the closest to England because just because of Chelsea and all the players and, and everything that's gone down in the past. But uh, I'm not quite sure convinced by England this time around, mainly because of the squad and, and key injuries to Maguire, Henderson. Uh, don't know what formation Southgate is going to be playing, but he does have an opportunity to push on from that World Cup in 2018. I just don't think it will happen. But fingers crossed, and we will be watching and supporting them. But I think, for me, the ultimate winner would be either France or Germany. Uh, so we'll see how that goes. And I personally will be watching Kai Havertz closely because he's had a good second half of the season, scored that winning goal in the Champions League. And he can definitely push on from that. And I think if he goes close to the final or even wins it with Germany, him, Timo Werner, and Rudiger will, will have had a great season. Um, and so for me, those are the guys I'll be watching, obviously, Angola Conte uh, as well. But that brings us to our fantasy league for the Euros, which we started. We've got about 50 members in there already. Uh, so if you haven't joined already, please join. The code is 87ZAHX01106. Uh, so go ahead, join us, and then we'll be doing some fun uh, prizes for the winner, working on it with Alex. Uh, so it should be a fun one. And if you haven't already, Jackie, I'm looking at you. Go join it. <laughs> um, and we can start competing from Friday. But that's it, guys. Thank you very much for listening. Uh, from next week, like I said, we'll be covering the Euros as well as the transfer window. And we will be providing updates on the Fantasy League in our weekly episodes. Uh, but please continue to subscribe, like, and follow us. It's at the Premier Chels, Apple, Spotify, Google, and Instagram. And on Twitter, it's at Premier Chels. Please also drop Frank a follow at Frank Khaled UK and Alex at Pulisic FC 22. We will be back next week, but until then, up the chels.